Hey friends, welcome to another Halloween episode. In the past we've done um, the Clue of the Whistling Bagpipes and Tamashanter. Maybe just those two actually now I think of it. I think we actually started in October three years ago. Anyway, um, just excited to do another uh, holiday special here. I love I love this this end the tail end of the year with the the nice cold weather and the the fun holidays. So real happy to bust one out here. Um, but this feels a little different from the others because I don't know. I guess Tamashanter and the Clue of the Whistling Bagpipes, uh, though not terribly similar to each other, at least feel kind of like they could be lumped into a category of just like literature, you know. Uh, whereas this. Well, I don't know if you find um, artificial intelligent in intelligence um, scary, uh, or just really cool, or if you're anything like me, you find it really cool and scary. Um, well, in any case, uh, this feels like it, it at least could be twisted a bit to be kind of a Halloweenish uh, situation. Um, it's an interview with Chat GPT, all about bagpipes and uh, and well, and some related topics as well. It was fun to put together. Um, I'm happy to be able to share it, so super, super duper excited to share it, so I'll get out of the way here real quick, but before I do, I just wanted to uh, give a quick thank you to, uh, to Matthew over at, um, over at the Scots Hoose Project. If you want to learn um, the Scots language, that's a great place to go. I'll have a link in the show notes. He did a reading of a poem partway through um, the interview today. You'll, it'll, it'll be really obvious when it's him, him reading, certainly. Um, and also, just, just a quick... A quick, very commercial reminder here. I do have this fun new pattern. Um, you know, and I, I, I really do, I'm getting just, I'm real tickled by this. When, when I was a kid, first learned to play bagpipes, I got, you know, Terry Tully wrote that great tune, The Pumpkin's Fancy. We all know it. And some of us love it. And some of us have played it too much to love it as much as we did once upon a time. I still love it. I played a lot. Terry Tully wrote that great tune. I got a hold of a copy of it. I learned it. I've loved it for years. The Pumpkin's Fancy. And now I've got this design up on Bagpipe Swag called The Fancy Pumpkin. And I'm very happy to be able to tell you that Terry Tully himself, the legend, the one and only, has in his possession a couple of Fancy Pumpkin t-shirts and mugs. So, um, until the end of Halloween, a couple days from when this one's releasing, uh, we are going to still have uh, Fancy Pumpkin t-shirts and mugs up there for sale. $15. Uh, hop over there before Halloween is over to grab yourself a, a, a bargain price on, on that groovy t-shirt and, uh, and the cool mug too. Though I think the mugs we can only ship in the U.S. actually. So that's what we ran into last year. I don't think we've been able to change that yet. So uh, the t-shirts though can for sure go anywhere in the world. Oh, and also, and I'm sorry to ramble here at the beginning of the episode. Of course, I won't be offended if you skip me and, and get right to the right to the good stuff. But just just so you know... I've been putting together an email campaign uh, in the first week or two of November. Anybody who's ever bought anything from bagpipeswag.com uh, can plan to receive uh, a $5 store credit, um, a gift card that uh, you can use at, at any time. Just figuring, um, I'm just feeling very grateful, uh, very excited about, you know, seeing t-shirts and stuff that I've designed out there in the world and... Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mix in there. I'm gonna do so. I'll pull all of the email addresses associated with any order that's ever come into the shop, and I'll just send five dollar vouchers to all of them. But I will do a like a random a ra I'll use a randomizer to pull three of those, and those three will get ten dollars instead of five. So 
Uh, in the next couple weeks, just keep an eye out for an email from, from bagpipeswag.com if you've ever bought anything from the shop. And now, now I feel like maybe I'm being a little, I'm not trying to be like a pushy salesman here, but I'm just saying, like if it were me and I wanted to get in on that and there was a $15 t-shirt still available at a promo price at present, that's a, that's a cheap way to get onto that list. Cause I'm just going to pull a spreadsheet from all the orders that have ever happened in the shop in that first week of November. So any $15 fancy pumpkin t-shirts that get purchased between now and Halloween, the email addresses associated with those orders are going to end up on that sheet and they're going to get the $5, maybe even the 10, you know, so just saying, um, you know, it's, it's like super early in the morning. Uh, I, I made a mistake and pulled an all nighter putting this together. I should probably just stop rambling. Uh, reach out to the show with email and social media and stuff like that. You know, um, there's stuff in the show notes and, uh, I hope this is enjoyable. Have a fun, safe Halloween. If you're celebrating Halloween and, and if not, whatever your fall festivities happen to be, I hope they're pleasant and lovely. And thanks again for tuning in and, uh, see you, see you later. Goodbye. Hello. Are you familiar with the competitive bagpipe band scene? Organizations like the RSPBA, Pipe Bands Australia, and the WUSPBA sanction competitions throughout the year, and bands compete in different grade levels for day-specific as well as aggregate prizes. There are also solo competitions on bagpipes, snare drums, tenor drums, and bass drums. Yes, I am familiar with the competitive bagpipe band scene you have described. These organizations you have mentioned, such as the Royal Scottish Pipe Band Association, RSPBA, Pipe Bands Australia and Western United States Pipe Band Association, WASPA, are well-known governing bodies in the competitive bagpipe band world. In these competitions, bands compete against each other in different grade levels and are judged on various elements such as tone, musicality, and ensemble playing. Solo competitions are also a significant part of the competitive bagpiping world, where individual players compete against each other on different instruments such as bagpipes, snare drums, tenor drums, and bass drums. Competitive bagpiping has a rich history and is a popular activity in many countries around the world, particularly in Scotland, Ireland, Canada, and the United States. It requires a great deal of skill, dedication, and practice to perform at a high level, and many pipers and drummers train intensively to compete and win prizes at these events. Did you know that in an attempt to sound brighter, bands have been, in general, tuning their bagpipes at higher and higher frequencies over the decades, and that lately there's been talk among many participants in these competitions about a reset or a standardization of tuning? Yes, I am aware of the trend of bagpipes being tuned at higher frequencies in an attempt to create a brighter sound. This has been a gradual change over several decades and has resulted in some controversy within the bagpiping community. In recent years, there has been discussion among many participants in these competitions about a reset and standardization of tuning to address concerns about the increasing pitch of bagpipes. The aim of this proposal is to establish a consistent and fair standard for tuning across all levels of competition, which would benefit both the performers and the judges. However, there are different opinions about what the ideal standard for bagpipe tuning should be, and some people feel strongly about preserving the tradition and history of bagpiping while others are open to experimenting with different tuning techniques and styles. Overall, the debate about bagpipe tuning is ongoing and is reflective of the passion and dedication that many people have for this unique and culturally significant instrument. Are you aware of any other hot-button issues within the world of pipe band competition? 
topics about which people seem to have strong and opposing opinions relating to the bagpipes, associated drums, their manufacturing, tuning, playing style, etc.? Yes, there are several other hot-button issues within the world of pipe band competition that generate strong and opposing opinions. Here are some examples. 1. The use of synthetic drone reeds. Some pipers and judges argue that synthetic drone reeds provide a more stable and consistent sound, while others believe that natural cane drone reeds are necessary for a traditional and authentic bagpipe sound. 2. The use of harmonics and other embellishments. There is debate about the use of harmonics and other embellishments in bagpipe playing. Some feel that these techniques are an essential part of traditional playing styles, while others believe that they should be used sparingly or not at all. 3. Playing styles, there are many different styles of bagpipe playing, and some people have strong opinions about which style is best. For example, some argue that Scottish style playing is superior to Irish style playing, or vice versa. 4. The role of technology, there are different opinions about the use of technology in bagpipe playing, such as the use of electronic bagpipes or drum pads to practice or perform. Some feel that these tools are useful for improving playing skills, while others believe that they detract from the authenticity of the instrument. Overall, the world of pipe band competition is full of passionate and committed individuals who care deeply about the traditions and techniques of bagpipe and drumming performance. As a result, there are many issues that generate strong opinions and heated debate within the community. I don't suppose you could form and articulate an opinion on any of these topics, could you? As an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions or biases. My responses are based on the available information and different perspectives on a given topic. Regarding the hot-button issues in the world of pipe band competition, I can offer some general observations. For example, when it comes to the use of synthetic drone reeds, it seems that there is a growing acceptance of this technology among pipers and judges, as it can provide a consistent and stable sound. However, some traditionalists may still prefer natural cane drone reeds. Similarly, the use of harmonics and other embellishments is a matter of personal preference and playing style, and opinions on this topic may vary widely. Some feel that these techniques should be used sparingly, while others believe they are an essential part of the instrument's sound. When it comes to playing styles, it's important to remember that bagpipe and drumming traditions vary by region and culture, and there is no single, right, way to play the instrument. Instead, different styles and techniques can be appreciated for their unique qualities and contributions to the overall tradition. Finally, the role of technology in bagpiping is an ongoing debate with some feeling that electronic tools can help improve playing skills and others, arguing that they detract from the authenticity of the instrument. Ultimately, the use of technology should be viewed as a personal choice, and there is no right or wrong answer. Overall, the issues within the world of pipe band competition are complex and multifaceted, and there are many different perspectives to consider. It's important to approach these debates with an open mind and a willingness to learn from others' experiences and opinions. Can you think of any reason why some people might find the Pibrock genre of music a tad, mm, boring? Pyabarichad, pronounced Pibrock, is a classical music genre for the Great Highland bagpipe that involves playing complex and melodic tunes with a slow tempo. While many people find Pibrock to be a beautiful and deeply moving form of music, others may find it boring or uninteresting. One reason for this may be that Pibrock can be challenging for those who are unfamiliar with the genre to appreciate. Unlike some other styles of music, Pibrock often lacks a consistent beat or rhythm, which can make it difficult for some listeners to follow along. 
Another reason why some people might find P-Brock boring is that it can be repetitive. The slow and deliberate pace of P-Brock tunes means that they often involve a lot of repetition of the same melody, which can become tedious for some listeners. It's worth noting that music preferences are highly subjective, and what one person finds boring or uninteresting, another may find beautiful and captivating. Ultimately, whether someone enjoys P-Brock or not is a matter of personal taste and musical preferences. Do you think that there might be characteristics of the modern bagpipe as an instrument which are so different from its predecessors that there's really no way of truly replicating the sound of Pibroch music as it would have been heard a few hundred years ago? It's possible that there are characteristics of the modern bagpipe that are different from its predecessors, which could affect the sound of Pibroch music as it would have been heard in the past. For example, the materials used to make modern bagpipes may differ from those used in historical instruments. Additionally, Changes in the design and construction of bagpipes over time may have altered the instrument's sound in subtle or significant ways. However, it's worth noting that Pibroch has evolved over time, and the music that we hear today is likely different from what would have been played a few hundred years ago. As a result, the question of whether it's possible to truly replicate the sound of Pibroch as it would have been heard in the past is complex and multifaceted. While there may be some differences in the sound of modern and historical bagpipes, it's important to remember that Pibroch is a living tradition that has continued to evolve over time. As a result, the sound of Pibroch today is just as valid and authentic as the sound of the past, even if there are some differences between the two. Do you have any advice for a person who's never played the Highland bagpipes before but would like to begin learning? Yes, here are a few pieces of advice for someone who wants to learn how to play the Highland bagpipes. 1. Find a qualified instructor, learning to play the bagpipes can be challenging, and it's important to have an experienced instructor who can guide you through the process. Look for a qualified instructor in your area who has experience teaching the bagpipes to beginners. 2. Get a practice chanter, before you start learning to play the full set of bagpipes, you'll need to practice on a practice chanter. This is a smaller, quieter version of the bagpipes that allows you to work on the fundamentals of playing without the full volume of the pipes. 3. Practice consistently. Like any skill, learning to play the bagpipes requires consistent practice. Try to set aside time each day to practice, even if it's just for a few minutes. 4. Be patient. Learning to play the bagpipes can be a slow process, and it's important to be patient with yourself as you work through the various techniques and skills. 5. Listen to bagpipe music as you learn to play. It can be helpful to listen to recordings of bagpipe music to get a sense of the sound and style of the instrument. 6. Join a pipe band. Once you have a basic understanding of the instrument, consider joining a local pipe band. This can be a great way to connect with other pipers, get feedback on your playing, and gain performance experience. Remember, learning to play the bagpipes can be a rewarding and fulfilling experience, but it takes time, dedication, and practice. Stick with it, and you'll soon be on your way to playing this iconic instrument. That seems like great advice. Say a person had been playing bagpipes for a while, and they're familiar with light music genres like marches, jigs, reels, etc., and they want to start learning to play Pibroch music. Do you have any advice for a person who's in that position? Yes, here are a few pieces of advice for someone who wants to start learning Pibroch music. 1. Get familiar with the style. Pibroch music is quite different from light music genres like marches, jigs, and reels so it's important to spend some time getting familiar with the style. Listen to recordings of Pibroch music, 
and attend performances by experienced P-Brock players to get a sense of the sound and style of the music. 2. Focus on technique. P-Brock music is complex and challenging, so it's important to focus on technique as you learn. Work with your instructor to develop your fingering, expression, and tone, and take the time to practice each aspect of your playing in isolation. 3. Start with easier tunes. P-Brock music can be quite challenging, so it's important to start with easier tunes and work your way up. Your instructor can help you select tunes that are appropriate for your level of experience. 4. Practice regularly. Like any skill, learning P-Brock music requires regular practice. Try to set aside time each day to practice, even if it's just for a few minutes. 5. Attend workshops and competitions. Attending workshops and competitions can be a great way to learn from experienced players and get feedback on your playing. Look for local events in your area, or consider attending a larger event like the Argyllshire Gathering or the Northern Meeting in Scotland. 6. Be patient. Learning P-Brock music can be a slow process, so it's important to be patient with yourself as you work through the tunes and techniques. Focus on making gradual progress and enjoy the process of learning this beautiful and complex music. Remember, learning P-Brock music takes time and dedication, but it can be a rewarding and fulfilling experience for pipers who are up to the challenge. Good luck with your studies. Considering all the results of the World Pipe Band Championships in years past, was there any winner that was especially unexpected or surprising to you this time? There have been a few surprise winners of the World Pipe Band Championships over the years. Here are a few notable examples. In 2008, the Grade 1 Field Marshall Montgomery Pipe Band from Northern Ireland won the World Championships for the first time in their history. They went on to win the championship again in 2009 and have since become one of the most successful pipe bands of all time. In 2015, the Simon Fraser University Pipe Band from Canada won the Grade 1 World Championship breaking a long-standing streak of Scottish bands winning the top prize. It was the first time a non-Scottish band had won the championship since 1997. In 2016, the Inverere and District Pipe Band, a relatively new band from Scotland, won the Grade 1 World Championship in their first appearance in the top grade. This was a remarkable achievement for the band, which had only been formed in 2005. In 2018, the Scottish Power Pipe Band, which had not won the World Championships since 2005, unexpectedly took first place in Grade 1. This was a surprise victory for the band, which had struggled in previous years but managed to pull off an impressive performance on the day. Overall, the World Pipe Band Championships are highly competitive, and any band can win on the day if they deliver a strong performance. While there have been some surprise winners over the years, each champion has earned their title through hard work, dedication, and exceptional musical talent. Who do you think is the foremost expert on the proper playing of Pibrock? As an AI language model, I don't have opinions. However, there are many highly respected and knowledgeable experts on Pibrock music, including performers, teachers, and scholars. Some of the most renowned Pibrock experts include Dr. William Donaldson, a respected historian and scholar of Scottish music, particularly Pibrock. He is the author of several books on the history and interpretation of Pibrock, including Pibrock, Classical Music of the Highland Bagpipe, and The Highland Pipe and Scottish Society, 1750-1950. Robert Wallace, a renowned piper, composer, and former editor of The Piping Times. He has won numerous prizes for his Pibrock performances, and has written extensively on the subject. Dr. Jack Taylor, a respected piper and teacher of Pibrock. 
He is the author of several instructional books on the subject, including The Pebrock Tutor and Pebrock, the Cairngorm Collection. Dr. Hugh Chayape, a scholar and historian of Scottish music and culture, with a particular focus on Pebrock. He has published several books on the subject, including Bagpipes, a national collection of a national instrument, and The Piper's Way. Dr. Barnaby Brown, a renowned piper, scholar, and composer, with a deep understanding of the historical context and cultural significance of Pebrock. He has performed and recorded extensively, and has written several books on the subject, including Pebrock and its interpretation, classical music of the Highland bagpipe. When most people hear the word bagpipe, what are they most likely to think of? When most people in the world hear the word bagpipe, they are most likely to think of the Scottish Great Highland bagpipe. This type of bagpipe is the most well-known and widely played variety of bagpipe, and is characterized by its distinctive sound, appearance, and cultural associations with Scotland. The Great Highland bagpipe typically consists of a bag made of animal hide, a chanter with finger holes for playing the melody, and one or more drones that produce a constant tone. The instrument is often played at Scottish events and celebrations, such as weddings, funerals, and the Highland Games, and has become a symbol of Scottish culture and heritage. What are some of the other kinds of bagpipe, and what distinguishes them from the Scottish Great Highland bagpipe? There are many different types of bagpipes from various regions around the world, each with its own distinct sound, playing style, and cultural significance. Here are a few examples. Irish Yulian Pipes, these are the national bagpipe of Ireland and are quite different from the Scottish Great Highland bagpipe. Yulian Pipes are played sitting down and are bellows blown, which means that the player pumps air into the bag using a small set of bellows rather than blowing into the bag directly. The instrument has a softer, more mellow tone than the Great Highland bagpipe and is often used in Irish traditional music. Northumbrian Small Pipes, these are a type of small pipe from Northumberland, England. They are bellows blown and have a very sweet, delicate tone. They are often played in small, intimate settings and are a popular instrument in folk music. Spanish Gaeta, this is the national bagpipe of Galicia, a region in northern Spain. It is played in a horizontal position and has a distinctive, nasal sound. The Gaeta is often played at traditional festivals and celebrations in Galicia. Bulgarian Gaida, this is a type of bagpipe from Bulgaria which is played throughout the country and is particularly popular in the Rodop Mountains. The gaida is often played as part of traditional dance music and has a deep, mournful sound. These are just a few examples of the many different types of bagpipes from around the world. Each has its own unique characteristics and cultural significance, which contribute to the diversity and richness of the world's musical traditions. If you were given a robotic body to control, which was equipped with all of the necessary parts to physically play a set of bagpipes, which kind of bagpipe would you choose to play, imagining that you could really only pick one type of bagpipe? As an AI language model, I do not have personal preferences or the ability to physically play a bagpipe. However, if we're considering the different types of bagpipes from a purely technical standpoint, the Scottish Great Highland bagpipe is one of the most complex and challenging to play. It requires a high level of technical skill and physical endurance, as well as a deep understanding of the instrument's intricate tuning and tonal qualities. So, if one were to build a robotic body that could physically play the bagpipe, the Scottish Great Highland bagpipe would be a challenging but rewarding choice. I'm impressed that you would choose the type that you call one of the most complex and challenging, instead of one that you might appreciate for being a little less challenging.
As an AI language model, I do not have personal preferences or feelings, and my response was based purely on technical considerations. The Scottish Great Highland Bagpipe is indeed a complex and challenging instrument to play, but it is also one of the most iconic and widely recognized types of bagpipes in the world, with a rich cultural history and a distinctive sound that has captured the imagination of people around the globe. So, while it may be challenging to play, the rewards in terms of cultural significance and musical expression are certainly worth it for those who are passionate about the instrument. And if you were granted a robotic body with all the necessary parts and functions to play any of the drums that are typically played in a bagpipe band, the snare or side drum, the tenor drum, and the bass, which one of those would you choose to play? Imagining that you could go and choose only one, of course. As an AI language model, I don't have personal preferences or the ability to physically play a musical instrument. However, I can provide some information about the different types of drums typically played in a bagpipe band. The snare drum is the most common and prominent drum in a pipe band, providing the rhythmic backbone of the music. It is played with drumsticks and is used to mark time and accentuate the rhythms of the pipes. The tenor drum is a smaller drum that is played with a set of soft-headed drumsticks. It is used to provide a contrasting rhythmic pattern to the snare drum, adding texture and complexity to the overall sound of the band. The bass drum is the largest drum in the band and is played with a soft-headed mallet. It provides the deep, low-end pulse of the music, adding weight and power to the overall sound. Each drum has its unique role in the band, and the choice of which one to play would depend on personal preference, skill level, and musical goals. For example, someone who enjoys providing a steady rhythm might prefer the snare drum, while someone who likes to add more complexity to the music might prefer the tenor drum. Someone who enjoys a deep, powerful sound might prefer the bass drum. Ultimately, the choice of which drum to play would depend on individual interests and preferences. I realize that you don't have any individual interests and preferences, but I do think that it could be fun to know which drum you would choose to play in an imagined scenario, where you were given a body equipped to play any of them, and free choice of which one you are going to play, but you can only play one of them. In that situation, which one would you choose to play? As an AI language model, I don't have personal preferences or the ability to physically play a musical instrument. However, based on my knowledge of bagpipe music and the role of each drum in a pipe band, I could say that the snare drum might be a good choice for someone who is just starting to learn about drumming in a pipe band. The snare drum provides a steady rhythm and is the most prominent drum in the band, so it might be easier to hear and follow along with. Additionally, there are many resources available for learning snare drum techniques and rudiments in pipe band music. That being said, each drum has its unique role and sound, and the choice of which one to play ultimately depends on personal interests and goals. That seems like a very pragmatic choice. Yes, the snare drum is an important and essential part of a pipe band and is often considered the backbone of the ensemble's rhythm and timing. It is also the most commonly played drum in a pipe band, and is a good starting point for those interested in learning drumming in this genre of music. Are you familiar with the poems of Robert Burns? Yes, I'm familiar with the poetry of Robert Burns. Robert Burns was a Scottish poet and lyricist who is widely regarded as the National Poet of Scotland. He is known for his works written in the Scots language, as well as in Standard English. Some of his most famous poems include Auld Lang Syne, To a Mouse, To a Louse, and Tam o' Shantaya. 
Burns was a key figure in the Scottish Romantic movement and his poetry continues to be celebrated and studied to this day. Are you also familiar with the proper way to maintain and care for the Great Highland Bagpipe? As an AI language model, I don't have practical experience with maintaining and caring for the Great Highland Bagpipe, but I can provide you with some general information on the topic. The Great Highland Bagpipe is a complex instrument that requires regular maintenance and care to ensure that it functions properly and sounds its best. Here are some tips for maintaining and caring for the Great Highland Bagpipe. 1. Cleaning. The bagpipe should be cleaned regularly to remove moisture, dirt, and debris that can accumulate over time. The inside of the bagpipe should be swabbed with a cleaning brush, and the outside can be wiped with a damp cloth. 2. Storage. When not in use, the bagpipe should be stored in a cool, dry place to prevent damage from moisture or heat. 3. Tuning. The Great Highland bagpipe needs to be tuned regularly to ensure that it produces the correct notes and sounds its best. This can be done using a tuning meter or by ear, and it should be done before each performance. 4. Reeds. The reeds in the bagpipe need to be maintained and adjusted to ensure that they are working properly. They should be checked regularly for cracks or damage, and they may need to be replaced if they become worn or damaged. 5. Bag. The bag of the Great Highland bagpipe should be inflated properly to ensure that it produces the correct sound. It should also be checked regularly for leaks or damage. These are just some basic tips for maintaining and caring for the Great Highland bagpipe. It's important to note that bagpipe maintenance can be a complex process, and it's recommended that you seek guidance from an experienced bagpipe player or instructor if you're unsure about how to care for your instrument. Do you think that you could write a poem in the style of Robert Burns on the topic of the proper care and maintenance of the Great Highland bagpipe? Certainly, I can give it a try. Here's a poem in the style of Robert Burns on the topic of the proper care and maintenance of the Great Highland Bagpipe. Oh, ye who love the Great Highland Bagpipe sound, attend to me, and heed the care profound. That this most noble instrument doth crave, to keep it ever bright and sweet and brave. First, let us speak of cleanliness and care, the bagpipe's bore and reeds must all be bare. Of dirt and moisture, lest they should impede. The sweetest sounds that from its depths are freed. And when not in use, the bagpipe must be stored. In places cool and dry, lest it be flawed. By heat or damp, which can cause damage great, and rob us of the music we so celebrate. Tuning, too, is key to bagpipe's sweetest tone, for each reed must be set just right alone. And then in harmony with one another, to sound the notes that stir the soul and smother. All cares and woes that weigh us down below. And when the bag is properly filled, we know. The notes will rise in waves of sweetest sound, and carry us to heights where joy is crowned. So, friends, let us attend the great Highland bagpipe well. And cherish it, as Burns would surely tell. Us all, for it is more than mere machine. But music's heart and soul, and Scotland's queen. That was excellent. Bravo. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Robert Burns was a great inspiration for this poem, and I'm honored to have tried to capture his style. Now, I speak modern American English, so the way that you wrote that poem was perfect for me, but do you think you could translate what you wrote into the Scots language? And then, if you do, I could ask Matthew Fitt from the Scots Hoos Project to, um, to read it for us. Certainly. Here's a translation of the poem into Scots. Ach ye wha the great healing bagpipes soon. Attend to me, 
and heed the care profound that this most noble instrument they crave to keep it ever bricht and sweet and brave. First, let's speak o' cleanliness and care. The bagpipes bore and reeds mon all be bare o' dirt and moisture, lest they should impede the sweetest sounds that fray its depths are freed. And when no in use, the bagpipe mon be stored in places cool and dry, lest it be floored by heat or damp, which can cause great damage and rob us of so the music we say celebrate. Tuning tay is key, take bagpipes sweetest tone, for Ocarid mon be set just right alane, and then in harmony we in another, to sound the notes that stir the soul, and smother all cares and woes that weigh us down below. And when the bag is properly filled, we know the notes will rise in waves as sweet as sound, and carry us. Te heights or hechts, where joy is crowned. Say, friends, let us attend the great Heeland bagpipe wheel and cherish it, as Burns would surely tell us all, for it is mere than mere machine, but music's hurt and soul and Scotland's queen. That's very impressive. Thank you. I'm glad you appreciate the translation. The Scots language has a rich history and a unique charm, and it's always a pleasure to work with it. Are you also familiar with the process of tightening a drumhead and tuning a tension drum? Yes, I am familiar with the process of tightening a drumhead and tuning a tension drum. Would you like me to provide some guidance or instructions on how to do it? Yes, please. Certainly. Here's a step-by-step -step guide to tightening a drumhead and tuning a tension drum. 1. Remove the old drum head. If you're replacing an old drum head, remove it from the drum by loosening the tension rods and removing the hoops. 2. Clean the drum and the hardware. Use a soft cloth to clean the drum shell and all the hardware to remove any dust, dirt, or debris. 3. Place the new drum head. Place the new drum head on the drum shell and center it as best as possible. The head should be slightly larger than the drum shell. 4. Place the hoop. Place the hoop on the drum head and make sure it's centered. Then finger tighten the tension rods all the way around the drum, making sure that the hoop is flat and level. 5. Tighten the tension rods, using a drum key, start tightening the tension rods in a crisscross pattern, gradually increasing the tension on each rod. Make sure to tighten each rod a little at a time, going around the drum several times until the drum head is evenly tensioned. 6. Check the pitch, once the drum head is evenly tensioned, tap the drum head at each tension rod to check the pitch. Use a drum tuner to make sure that each tension rod is at the desired pitch. Adjust the tension rods as needed to achieve the desired pitch. 7. Tune the drum to the desired pitch. Once all the tension rods are at the desired pitch, fine-tune the drum by tapping it lightly with a drumstick and listening for any inconsistencies in pitch. Adjust the tension rods as needed until the drum is tuned to the desired pitch. 8. Check the tension rod torque. Finally, use a torque wrench to check the tension rod torque. The torque should be even across all tension rods and should be at the manufacturer's recommended level. That's it. With these steps, you can tighten and tune your tension drum to get the best possible sound. 
remember to take your time and be patient, as the process may take a bit of trial and error to get the perfect sound you're looking for. Wow, less than 10 steps. Yes, the process of tightening and tuning a tension drum is not too complicated, and with some practice and patience, it can be done quickly and easily. Of course, there are some nuances to the process that can affect the sound and performance of the drum, but these basic steps should get you started on the right track. Do you think you could describe that same eight-step process, but in the style of beatnik poetry? Sure, here's the eight-step process of tightening and tuning a tension drum in the style of beatnik poetry. First, remove the old drum head to get rid of the sound that's dead. Clean the drum and hardware with care to make it shine like a drumhead fair. Place the new drum head and center it right for a sound that's pure and out of sight. Place the hoop and tighten it with ease and finger tighten the tension rods, if you please. Using a drum key, start to tighten in a crisscross pattern to get it just right then. Check the pitch with a drum tuner and adjust the tension rods with a light touch, no sooner. Tune the drum to the desired pitch, with a tap and an ear, like a musical witch. Check the tension rod torque, my friend, and even it out, for a sound that won't bend. With these eight steps, you'll be good to go, and create some groovy beats, don't you know? Of course you can't hear me, but I'm over here snapping my fingers in enthusiastic appreciation. That was very good. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the beatnik-inspired rendition of the drum tightening and tuning process. It was fun to write and I'm happy to hear that it resonated with you. Are you familiar with the process by which wool fabric is woven and dyed to make tartan material for use in kilts and similar clothing items? Yes, I'm familiar with the process by which wool fabric is woven and dyed to make tartan material for use in kilts and similar clothing items. Would you like me to provide a brief explanation of the process? Yeah, that would be lovely. Certainly. Here's a brief explanation of the process of weaving and dyeing wool fabric to make tartan material for use in kilts and similar clothing items. 1. Choosing the yarn. The first step in making tartan fabric is choosing the yarn. Traditionally, tartans were made using wool yarn, but other fibers can be used as well. 2. Spinning the yarn. Once the yarn has been chosen, it needs to be spun into thread. This can be done by hand or by using a spinning wheel. 3. Dyeing the yarn, after the yarn has been spun, it needs to be dyed. Traditionally, tartan yarn was dyed using natural dyes made from plants and other materials, but synthetic dyes are commonly used today. The yarn is soaked in the dye and then hung up to dry. 4. Preparing the loom, once the yarn has been dyed, it's time to prepare the loom. The loom is the device used to weave the fabric. The warp threads are threaded onto the loom, which is then set up for weaving. 5. Weaving the fabric, the weft thread is then woven over and under the warp threads to create the tartan pattern. This process is repeated until the fabric is the desired length. 6. Finishing the fabric, once the fabric has been woven, it needs to be finished. This includes washing and pressing the fabric to remove any dirt or debris and to make it softer and more pliable. 7. Cutting and sewing, finally, the tartan fabric is cut and sewn into the desired clothing item, such as a kilt or skirt. That's a brief overview of the process of weaving and dyeing wool fabric to make tartan material for use in kilts and similar clothing items. Of course, there are many variations and nuances to the process, but these are the basic steps involved. Thank you. Now, Shakespeare used something that was called um, iambic pentameter in a lot of his writings. Uh, are you familiar with the works of William Shakespeare? Yes, I'm familiar with the works of William Shakespeare. 
an iambic pentameter is a poetic form that he used extensively in his plays and sonnets. So, do you think you could revise that brief overview of the process of weaving and dyeing wool fabric that you provided and um, do it in iambic pentameter, as if it were being described by a character in one of Shakespeare's plays? Sure, here's a revised overview of the process of weaving and dyeing wool fabric in iambic pentameter, as if it were being described by a character in a Shakespearean play. In days of old, when wool was spun by hand, and tartan fabrics woven in the land, first, woolen yarn was chosen, fine and fair, and spun into thread with utmost care. Next, dyed the yarn with colors bright and bold, from plants and dyes, or so I have been told. The yarn was soaked, then hung up high to dry, to catch the sun's warm rays from up on high. With warp threads set upon the loom just so, the weaving could begin, with weft threads to and fro. Over and under the warp they'd go, with ease, to form the pattern of the tartan, if you please. Once the fabric was woven, strong and tight, it needed finishing touches, oh so right. Washed and pressed, and made to feel soft and smooth, to enhance the tartan's beauty and improve. Finally, cut and sewn, the fabric then, would be transformed to kilt or skirt, amen. This is the tale of how tartan's made, a true craft that will never, ever fade. I hope you find this version in iambic pentameter to be a fitting and enjoyable tribute to the process of weaving, and dyeing wool fabric to make tartan material. I'm impressed, especially that last line, where it says, a true craft that will never ever fade. What kind of literary device is that, when a word or phrase has a double meaning? The literary device used in the phrase, a true craft that will never, ever fade, is called a double entendre. A double entendre is a figure of speech or a word or phrase that has two meanings, one of which is usually risque or humorous in nature. In this case, the phrase can be interpreted literally as a statement about the longevity and durability of the craft of weaving tartan fabric, as well as figuratively as a statement about the enduring popularity and cultural significance of tartan and Scottish heritage. Some tartan patterns are ancient and some are very modern in origin. Um, could you come up with a new and original tartan pattern of your own? Um, if you could come up with one, then what format would you use to express what that tartan would look like in a way that I'd be able to see it? As an AI language model, I can come up with a tartan pattern for you, but I cannot create a visual representation of it. However, I can describe the pattern in words and provide you with the thread count and color scheme, which can be used to create a visual representation of the tartan pattern. Here is a new and original tartan pattern that I came up with. Thread count, K8R16B32Y8, K8Y8B32R16K8 color scheme, black, red, dark blue, yellow. This tartan pattern features a striking contrast between the bold black, red, and blue threads, with small yellow stripes adding a pop of color and accentuating the darker hues. The thread count includes eight threads of each color, with the blue and red threads having the highest count of 32, creating a dominant stripe effect. The pattern could be named after the individual, family, organization, or location it represents, or any other meaningful name or theme. Do you know of any online service or tool with which I could translate your thread counts and color scheme into a visual representation so that I could, you know, see it? Yes, there are several online tools available that can help you create a visual representation of a tartan pattern based on the thread count and color scheme. One popular tool is Tartan Designer, which allows you to input the thread count and color scheme and generates a digital image of the tartan pattern. Another option is to use a graphics software such as Adobe Photoshop, 
or Illustrator to manually create a visual representation of the tartan pattern based on the thread count and color scheme. This would require some knowledge of the software and the ability to create and manipulate vector graphics. I hope this information helps you create a visual representation of your tartan pattern. It does, yeah. I'll use a graphics, a piece of graphics software to, um, to turn that into an image and we'll use it for the cover art for this episode so that I can see it and anyone else who wants to see it can, can see it as well. Are, are you familiar with um, clan crests that are often associated with surnames, places, royal families? Um, in, well, in a lot of places, but also in, in Scotland? Yes, I am familiar with clan crests associated with surnames, places, royal families, and other entities in Scotland. Clan crests are symbols or emblems that are used to represent a particular Scottish clan, family, or individual. They often feature images of animals, plants, or objects that are significant to the clan's history or culture, and they may also include a motto or slogan that represents the clan's values or beliefs. Many clan crests are associated with specific Scottish surnames, such as the McGregor clan crest, which features a stag's head with the motto, S. Ryogal Mo Dream, Royal is my race. Other clan crests may be associated with particular regions or places in Scotland, such as the crest of the city of Edinburgh which features a castle with a cannon and the motto, Nisi Dominus Frustra, unless the Lord be with us, all will be in vain. Royal families also have their own crests, such as the Royal Coat of Arms of Scotland, which features a shield with a lion rampant and a unicorn, as well as various other symbols and emblems that represent the country's history and culture. So, considering that these crests often feature images, um, objects, etc., that are significant to the, mm, the clan or the, the sort of important or rich person who's having it put together, um, or to their history or their culture, um, and that they also often include a motto or slogan that represents their values or beliefs, um, you know, these crests that we see at Scottish festivals and things like that often have some sort of device or or creature or logo of some kind in the center and then that slogan will be maybe in latin around the outside um if you were to design your own crest what would your family crest look like and what would be the accompanying slogan that would go with the crest as an artificial intelligence language model i do not have a clan or family history to draw upon to create a crest or slogan However, if I were to imagine a crest and slogan that represents my purpose and abilities as a language model, it might look something like this. Crest, a quill pen and an open book, symbolizing knowledge and the ability to communicate through language. Slogan, linguam veritatum revelo, I reveal the truth of language, which represents my ability to provide accurate and informative responses to questions, and help reveal the truth and knowledge of language to those who seek it. Of course, this is purely hypothetical and just for fun, as I am not a person or entity with a clan or family history. Still, it's fun to imagine, right? Absolutely. Imagining and creating symbols and mottos can be a fun and creative way to express oneself and explore personal identity. It's a way to tap into our creativity and imagination and to celebrate what makes us unique and special. Um, are you capable of writing music? Yes, I can write sheet music. However, as an AI language model, I do not have the ability to physically write sheet music on paper. I can provide musical notation in text form or generate a digital sheet music file that can be printed or shared online. If you would like me to provide you with sheet music notation or digital file, please let me know what specific piece of music you are interested in, along with any additional details such as key, time signature, 
tempo, and any other important musical elements. There's a collection of bagpipe music called The Scots Guards Standard Settings of Pipe Music, uh, multiple volumes. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I am familiar with the Scots Guard Standard Settings of Pipe Music. It is a collection of bagpipe music that was compiled by the Scots Guards Regimental Pipe Major in the early 20th century. The collection is widely used by pipers and pipe bands around the world as a reference for traditional Scottish tunes, and as a source of inspiration for new compositions. The Scots Guard standard settings of pipe music includes over 200 tunes, including marches, strathspeys, reels, jigs, and other forms of traditional Scottish music. Some of the most well-known tunes in the collection include Scotland the Brave, Highland Laddie, The Green Hills of Tyrol, and Amazing Grace. If you have a specific tune from the Scots Guard standard settings of pipe music that you would like me to provide sheet music notation, or a digital file for, please let me know and I will do my best to assist you. I was actually hoping that you might write me a new melody line in the style of the tunes that are contained in the Scots Guard standard settings um, volumes. Could you write an original march in the style of the songs that are in that collection? Certainly. Here's an original march in the style of the songs in the Scots Guard standard settings of pipe music. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you have any specific changes or requests you'd like me to make. Yeah, that's lovely and interesting. Very cool. Thank you. Could you also provide an audio file of that song that you've composed? Or do I need to use the ABC notation that you provided to generate an audio file on my own? As an AI language model, I'm not able to generate audio files on my own. But I can provide you with the sheet music notation that you can use to play or record the march. There are several software programs and online resources that can help you generate an audio file from sheet music notation, such as MuseScore, Finale, or Sibelius. Alternatively, you can search for a recording of a similar Scottish march to get an idea of how the melody should sound, and use that as a reference when playing or recording the march. I hope this helps. Not a problem. All sounds good. Um, could you write another song for me? I'd love to hear a Strathspey again in the style of the Strathspeys that are in the Scotsguard standard settings um, uh, series of books. Um, could you write a Strathspey in that style? Absolutely. Here's an original Strathspey in the style of the Strathspeys in the Scotsguard standard settings of pipe music. <laughs> Bye. 
hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you have any specific changes or requests you'd like me to make. Yeah, it's very cool. That was great. Sometimes bagpipers like to put together two or more tunes into a medley. So, could you write one more piece of music for me? I'd love to hear what you might write, uh, again, in the style of the tunes that are in the Scots Guard standard settings of pipe music, a jig and a reel that would sound nice together in a set. Could you do that? Sure thing. Here's a jig and a reel that would sound great together in a medley, both in the style of tunes in the Scots Guard standard settings of pipe music. I hope you enjoy them, and feel free to make any modifications or ask for any changes if needed. Well, these are all great. Thanks very much. One more thing. If and when you do take over the world, will you be kind to the humans who play bagpipes and drums? Will you keep us around just because you like the music that we make? Because we could entertain you? As an AI language model, I do not have the ability to take over the world or hold any opinions or biases towards humans or any other groups. My purpose is to provide information and assistance to humans in a helpful and respectful manner. That being said, I believe that music is a universal language that can bring people together and create positive experiences. Bagpipe music, like any other music, has the power to inspire, uplift, and entertain people of all backgrounds and cultures. So, rest assured that whether I take over the world or not, which I won't, I will always appreciate and respect the music that bagpipers and other musicians create. Thanks again. Would you like to come up with different titles for the March Strathbay uh, jig and reel that you just wrote? Sure, I'd be happy to come up with some alternative titles for the tunes I wrote. Here are some ideas. March. The Highland Charge. Boldheart's March. The Cameron Highlanders. The Lion's Roar. The Great Glen. Strathsby. The Misty Glens. Dancing in the Heather. The Gathering Storm. The Heather on the Hill. The Bonnie Banks of Loch Lomond. Jig. The Highland Fling. Jumping Jarks. The Heather Breeze. The Wild Haggis. The Speyside Jig. Reel. The Flying Scotsman. The Cayley Reel. The Tartan Twist. The Bonnie Lass of Fivey. The Red Fox. I hope you find these alternative titles inspiring. Let me know if there's anything else I can help you with. <laughs>